Hi, everybody. This is Monica from the Guardian Scholars Program at CSU Bakersfield. And this is officially our first podcast, and it is called Unguarded. Today is May 6, 2020, and we are in the middle of a self-quarantine, pandemic, COVID-19, and are really producing this to reach out to our students, pro- provide information, and to continue to inspire one another and connect because we feel very disconnected right now. And we're feeling, if we feel this way, you might too. So welcome to our podcast. And I am here with two amazing young women I've had the privilege of working with for quite a few years now. Uh, We have Amelia, who is a former Guardian Scholar, and she's an alumni. And she also is the um, person in charge of our future alumni outreach and relations. And then I have Daisy, who was a former student of mine who was interning for us. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, uh, talk about themselves a little bit, and then I will kind of fill you in on who I am and why I'm here. And then we'll move on to our podcast topic. But welcome to all thank of our you, listeners out there. <laughs> oh, I thought you said to me, welcome to me. It's okay. Anybody, go ahead, introduce yourself. So, yeah, my name is Daisy Rodriguez, and I recently graduated um, the fall of 19 with a bachelor's from CSUB, and yay! yeah, I'm yay, excited. Daisy. I'm excited to um, start uh, getting the requirements ready for the credential program, and I'm so happy to be working with Monica and just like learn about the program and see the behind the scenes of how amazing this program is. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Welcome, Daisy, and thank you for joining us today. Thank and you, next we have... Hey, hey, I'm Amelia McKee. I um, also have semi-recently graduated in the spring mm-hmm. of 2018 with my bachelor's from CSUB. And I've been with the Guardian Scholars Program as a student for about almost as long as it's been in existence. Right. So six or seven years Mm -hmm. um, for me. So I'm excited now to move into the alumni phase and see where we go from here. And Amelia, you're (laughs) podcasting in from where? Oh, I'm in Kentucky right now. Uh, So I'm on Eastern time. Yeah. And I am actually in Las Vegas because that is where my home is. So I'm quarantining in Vegas and Daisy is in I'm in Bakersfield and it's hot here I don't know who can relate <laughs> it's so hot, hot here too <laughs> no yeah, I got it's my sweater on I was just outside taking photos and I like got my big winter coat on I want to wear a sweater like Amelia <laughs> <laughs> I do wear a sweater just to be a rebel no, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right well I'm going to give a little bit of background about the program about myself and then we'll kind of jump into our first topic so like I said my name is Monica I am from the San Joaquin Valley I grew up in Bakersfield I did my undergrad at CSU Bakersfield And then I went on to Loyola Marymount University, Los Angeles, to complete my master's degree. Yay! And uh, I have two boys. They're not boys. They're young men. But to me, they're boys. I have Logan, who is 26 in a couple of days. And I have Aaron, who is 19. And they are both um, from Loyola Marymount as well. And uh, I have been involved with Guardian Scholars going on eight years this year. 
I came in as an unpaid intern seven years ago and built the program pretty much from the ground up with lots of help around me and, um, and some funding from the California Wellness Foundation. Um, it is primarily a program for former foster youth and for students who have experienced homelessness or displacement in college. And that's our primary population. We're growing really fast. We're transitioning right now from face-to-face -face in office and on campus to online and remote programming because we will not fade away just because of the pandemic. We know our students really need us and we need this program and I'm very proud to be um, the head of it. And then I also have taught on campus for 20 years in the English department. Um, and I'm very proud to be a part of the English composition and the English literature program at CSU Bakersfield um, because that was my first love coming out of grad school. Anyway, long story about how I got to be <laughs> the coordinator for Guardian, but that's a little bit of background about the program and about myself. And um, we're here just trying to share information. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope lots of people end up listening to this. Please forgive our um, our amateur approach to this at this point, because we're still learning, but we're really happy to be here doing this. It took a lot for us to get here. So Podcast 101. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, today, what we are talking about is we're talking about academic confidence, because at this time, we really felt as a group that academic confidence, um, whether you are in higher education for a career or whether you are in higher education as a student, regardless of the level of your education, that we and our confidence levels are being impacted because this is a very new way of learning for most of us. Most of us are in four-year universities because we wanted the, especially at CSU Baker, so we wanted the small class sizes, we wanted the personality of the campus and the administration and the faculty and staff to be a part of our daily lives. And right now that's compromised. So we felt like we and our academic confidence is um, being altered and changing and hopefully growing at this point. So we're going to talk about what academic confidence is to each of us and how we can accomplish that and be real about what our um, experiences have been and our perspectives are and hopefully you'll learn from that and grow along with us so anybody want to start with what that means to them I can, I can start yeah for me um, I, could, I had looked it up uh, just to try and see the official definitions um, and there were a me lot too. of words and philosophical <laughs> concepts and it didn't really hit for me but um, academic confidence uh, personally has been very tied to self-confidence for me and as I became mm -hmm. you know as I went through college and kind of gained more you know knowledge and just confidence about my own life my own person I I really felt much more comfortable in myself as a student and talking to professors and just being comfortable with the work that I was mm -hmm. putting out over time mm-hmm understood yeah. so for me uh, I was also looking it up Amelia and I was like what, <laughs> what, is, right? what is this? and then I just got you know like what it means to me was that um, it's the confidence that I have in myself to get the work done to get the grade that I the goal that I, I put as the grade you know and mm -hmm. um it's been a long journey for me. I've been in school for eight years. So my academic confidence has been up and down and up and down. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then, you know, with the but we ha- Hold on, Dizzy, I have to interject, but you weren't just in school for eight years. You were also doing something super important with your family life. What was that? Cause... Yeah, so I had a son, um, I think my second year of uh, being at CSUB. Wow. And then I just went through, like, just roller coasters that <laughs> 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 I can share later, but. Yeah, yeah. And college did, is was, hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. So with the newborn and then I don't know, it was it was a big roller coaster. But yeah, because end, you I have to hold on. I have to make you stop there because <laughs> to get through undergrad and raise a baby as excellently as you have is no small feat. I mean, I, I've known Daisy for a while now, seen her mom journey, and I've really admired how she's conducted herself as a student, as a mom as a young woman entering into her profession and her career. And, you know, that, that in and of itself will challenge your confidence, but um, I have to bring it up because you've done it so well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I remember meeting you um, in one of the classes we took and then just, I just connected with you Mm -hmm. in that one class. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but, and then I remember also going, to your office one day and I was overwhelmed with all my work and I said Monica do you know (laughs) what this is and then we started talking and you helped me a lot yeah yeah 100% 100% and also um, in the middle of all of that I also had um, you know a change of major and I know that Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about that how you know we have to be confident and and what we want to do so that we can also do good and it's okay if sometimes we're not there yes um but sometimes when we choose that career that is calling our names yeah (laughs) we will do a lot better absolutely because it's something that we love it's something that we wake up and are glad to do and then opportunities Mm -hmm. come you know yeah I yeah because I know I think there's a lot of pressure when you first come in especially it depends on the school um CSUB not so much but some some undergrad programs make you declare a major when you first yeah upon application there's this huge pressure Mm -hmm. yeah when you're 18 years old it's like where do you want to be in 35 years and it's like (laughs) I haven't spent 20 years on this earth what do you mean right (laughs) I don't know what I'm gonna do right I don't even know what a class is like what is this major so right I, I shuffled around between majors a lot as well because yeah I think I had no idea what I like I think that's a really <laughs> great point is that there should be no self-judgment or shame if we change courses academically or even per- personally I mean that's just life but we're talking academics here I think that to change mm. majors is super common And I think that people feel like once they've chosen something, they have to stick with it all the way through. And that's just not the truth. And I always encourage students to, even if it takes a fifth year, take the fifth year. If it's going to mean your GPA ends up higher and you're happier in your coursework and your personal life is going a little better because your academic life is a little bit more healthy and so I always opt for take a little bit more time if you have to, um, because you have the rest of your life to enter into post-grad, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So, and the time is going to pass anyway. Right. So you're going to get the degree anyway. You may as well have a little bit of fun. Exactly. Do something you enjoy. Exactly. I'm going to ask you guys both a question. If I ask you, what are just some practical pieces of advice you can give to somebody about 
about developing academic confidence, what would you say? Like, give me some nuts and bolts. How does that happen? Um, I would say, uh, and I feel like it's kind of a cliche because I used to hear this advice a lot and ignore it a lot. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started sitting in on office hours a lot more and actually talking to my professors and I began to get to know them as people and seeing them as as regular humans, I became 10 times more confident um, because it wasn't like some all seeing eye is reading my paper anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, I know that guy. You yeah. know, like yeah. we've we've talked about what I'm gonna put in. So he knows me. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and with me, I know that when I, I started, I was so shy to talk to all the professors and just to go up to them and I was intimidated. I'm like, these are professors. They've been to you know, so much through so much education and what if they just laugh at me for the question that I asked? It was silly, yeah. I know, but then I just slowly started to see that when you talk to them, like they really enjoy their jobs. Yeah, uh, the majority of mm-hmm. them, I think. Yeah, a lot of them. They're there because they like what they do. They want to help students. So helping, uh, asking them questions about whatever it is, like the lesson, the career, right? Um, anything or mm-hmm. the test, the assignments. It helps a lot. And mm-hmm. I know it's something to get um used to at first. It might be a little intimidating. But once you do that, uh, I think that everybody's, you know, confidence can go up academically. Absolutely. I'm going to I'm going to speak to that because I'm a professor and have been for 20 years. And I think that like Amelia said, a lot of people ignore that. Get to know your professors, go to their office hours, have conversations with them. And it's not necessarily like go in and ask course related questions every single time. Get to know them outside of that classroom. Number one remember they're your grader right so when it comes down to the end of the semester and I hate to say this but they have a little discretionary fun sometimes of points or participation Mm -hmm. or you know you just being willing to be present and I feel like sometimes that can help your grade but also because you get to know them outside of that classroom and get that individual attention and perspective that you need as a student. And I've always done better in courses where I've gotten to know my professors outside of class and where I've been a regular in their office hours. I just feel better about going to class when I do that. And I think so many students like Daisy said, they're intimidated. They're like, Oh, they don't really want to talk or they have these office hours and they don't really want to be there. But In my experience, there have been a couple of professors that I had that I knew kind of didn't want to be there, but the majority of them, they did this for a living because they really want to be there. They love helping students and people and they love their uh, subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't end up in academia by accident. No, (laughs) no, no, not at all. There's a long road to working in higher ed. So, you know, I think it's very purposeful. But um, yeah, and also through my journey, um, Monica, when I was, you know, like just going through this crazy roller coaster, um, mm-hmm. I just had questions. And sometimes I would just go to like even advisors that I just had heard about or that I would be referred to. And just right. going to them, they opened up so many doors to me that I just didn't even know that could be opened, you know? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
So, you don't know if they have internships available or part-time work someplace, or they have a recommendation you're going to need someday. Wonderful resources for things even outside of coursework related information. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Amelia, anything else you want to add to that? Um, as far as meeting your professors, I say, honestly, just do it as early on in your college career as possible. <laughs> um, and I know everyone hears that advice, but really like yeah, take it. It actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it'll make your other years much easier. And I know it's different, you know, in the first year or two, when you're doing general education, uh, you might not necessarily see these professors for very long afterwards, but you might find a different career path that you didn't think that you were going to find if you talk to these people and, and get to know them and why they enjoy their subject. Yeah, so absolutely. It can't hurt. Like, what else are you doing anyway? It's exactly. College. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm going to add something in about academic confidence that we haven't touched upon yet or we touched upon super lightly earlier. And I feel like academic confidence only comes from having purpose identified in your academic journey. I know that in the beginning at 17, 18, 19, or whenever somebody enters college, whether it's a CC or a four-year private public, whatever, we're all encouraged to think about, and we have to think about the economy and money and how are we going to support ourselves more specifically for former foster youth and students who have experienced homelessness because there's a lot of uncertainty that is built in that comes along with that. So that's our primary mindset, which is how am I going to make money um, produce for myself later on? Yeah. But I also feel as important as that is, that is enough to, that is not enough to sustain long-term academic success. That long-term academic success comes from a person who has identified the purpose for their work. And what I mean is, why are you doing what you're doing within your major? Why are you choosing these courses? Why are you choosing that line of work post-grad? Um, you know, what is your what is your why factor in that? And is it enough to push you and drive you through long papers and pages and pages of reading and visiting your professors and making it through finals and maybe some financial hardships during your first four years or five years? And if you don't know why you're doing it, then I would say adjust your major. Because if you are going into it for the wrong reasons and simply to make money, you might find yourself super unmotivated because that is a deferred gratification. That's not anything in the immediate moment Mm -hmm. that you're going to get settled for yourself. And so for me, I had somebody in undergrad when I couldn't really pick a major I was having trouble with it they said well how do you like spending your time what do you enjoy doing like what is part of your passion and I said you know what I love reading I know a lot of people don't I do I have super (laughs) fond memories around books and engaging with books and material and learning by myself and I realized that through time I really wanted to take that course um in my major And I wanted to take it in my career and I wanted to make the learning process at this level fun and joyful and engaging for people because I didn't always experience it in that way. So 
I really found a purpose that was not just money because I don't think anybody goes into education to make a lot of money because you might make a living. (laughs) You might make a living, (laughs) but you're not going to make money talking like big money in that way. Your purpose has to be something around. I like helping people. I want to engage with students. I want to help inspire them. I hope I motivate them. I hope I make them like my course, you know, and like this material and want Mm -hmm. to come to class. It has to be something different than I want to make money. And that was what drove me through five years of undergrad work with a child like Daisy, my post-grad work at Loyola commuting for three years to get my degree with two children. And it really was like, (laughs) I know I want to go back and share this with people who are from marginalized populations and make this fun for them. And for me, that purpose drove me day and night, as well as providing for my family. Because obviously with two children, I had to have money in mind, but more than money, it was like, I want to enjoy my work for the rest of my life. And, and I do. And so for me, when I think about young people coming into college, like Amelia said, they don't know oftentimes what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And sometimes it's an external influence that has told them they should be an engineer, a doctor, a nurse, um, something, an accountant, something that's going to make them a lot of money. And those are all wonderful professions, but you have to enjoy what you're studying to enjoy what you do. And if you don't, it's not likely you're going to get through that coursework because it becomes tedious instead of a passion. So to me, that's Mm -hmm. where that confidence comes from. It's purpose, knowing your purpose. Purpose. And I know that that for me helped me get my confidence up and my grades went up once I, uh, I started first with criminal justice and then I moved to, uh, I changed it to uh, liberal studies because I want to be a teacher. So Mm -hmm. that right away, like boosted my grades and one thing, too, that I, I noticed is that at first I started with criminal justice and I didn't really know, like, what that looked like until I went to a prison and I did a walkthrough. And I just remember standing there and it was, I was scared. Yeah. And I know that that's for some people. <laughs> but that's what criminals are, Daisy. <laughs> I just. Edit I that. Just no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just remember thinking at the beginning, you know, I could do this. I am so strong. I I can be like tough. And then just being there in the middle Mm -hmm. of the prison walking, you know, it just wasn't for me. And I know that it can be for some people. So also another thing is that from that, Mm -hmm. I learned to go and, um, you know, see what, what did you major in and go volunteer in that. Yes. That might help you yes. see things like what it, it will really look like, you know? Yes. Go get an internship. Don't expect yeah. to get paid um, <laughs> right away. Um, <laughs> go volunteer and go shadow somebody. Like gain confidence mm-hmm. in your in your major by putting yourself out there and experiencing the major and the career field before you graduate. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I remember a few years ago, uh, Guardian Scholars had a shadowing program. Mm -hmm. And I got to shadow a professor on campus. And that's how I realized I don't know if I actually wanted to be a professor. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, which it's is okay. the best case scenario. Right. Honestly, it's learning what you don't want is more important than Absolutely. what you do want. Honestly. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, I thought about that as well. And, you know, sometimes something can look one way and be a completely different way. And you, it's so wonderful if you can mm-hmm. get behind the scenes and understand what that work is really like. And for some people, it's amazing. And for other personality types, it's not. Like, it just doesn't work with them. So, and Daisy, I would say you're tough in other ways. Maybe you don't (laughs) want to be in correction facilities and stuff, but you're tough. So we were just wrapping up our academic confidence definition, advice, future student advice. Um, so I hope that was really helpful. It's good for even us to kind of go back and reevaluate and remember what our passions were for our majors and our passions were for our futures and are for our futures. So um, we hope that that was helpful to you. It was fun for us to take a little trip down memory lane. And um, hopefully that's yeah. inspiring. What we want to do each week is we want to play a game sort of where we share a tip or trick of the week and it can be either subject related totally non-subject related I don't care but I'm gonna go ahead and go with Daisy first so Daisy you're on okay so one of my tips um is it okay if I say two (laughs) yes yeah so I have one where I didn't know this so if you have a computer specifically like an apple if you press the FN button and you start talking to it, it can type everything that you're saying. What? <laughs> correctly? You, grammatically correctly? No, not grammatically correctly. But I mean, <laughs> if you're writing a paper and you are just, you know, like tired of typing maybe wow. and you just wanted to type what you're saying, you can just do that. You do have to set it up. And there's videos on wow. YouTube. It's super easy. But like that would have saved my life eight years ago <laughs> no because you were in my years. English class eight years ago and I would have called you out on it but no that's cool I think for short things that's amazing yeah that's awesome like if you just need to get something done and you want it to type you do have to go back and edit obviously but like yeah Isn't wow cool? it's and cool another one, yeah we're editing another it out no, I'm just kidding <laughs> as an English professor we're editing oh. it out no we're not I'm kidding <laughs> So another one is like a beauty related um, tip. I have um, really long hair and when I get out of the shower, it's so hard to untangle it. Even Mm -hmm. if I put conditioner on, sometimes I put like my whole palm is full of the conditioner. But if you comb it before you jump in the shower, after you get in the shower, it's so easy to brush through it. I don't know if you guys know that, but that might be helpful. (laughs) Super helpful. Yeah, because I have curly hair and it's it's a challenge. So yeah, thank you, Daisy, for your tips and tricks of the week. <laughs> Amelia. Okay. Um, so I also have a beauty related one. Um, I've been making lately uh, this sugar body scrub. Oh, uh, nice. Learned, um, at, a, at a GSP workshop a few years ago, honestly. But it's very, very simple. It's just coconut oil and sugar. So if you have that at home, a lot of people do coconut cooking oil um, or body oil. It's the same. Um, And you just whip it together until it's the consistency that you like. And then you can rub it on your lips, rub it on your face, 
and rinse it off and your your skin is soft uh moisturized you don't even have to use chapstick the rest of the day you're golden (laughs) i need to try that that's a good tip i love that yes okay but what are the what's like the proportions what's the ratio sugar to oil because i never get it right I have been messing around with it a lot as well. I have one tin. I, I made one little batch and it's lasted me like three months now. Um, wow. But it was just maybe three tablespoons of oil, of coconut oil, and then about one tablespoon of sugar, one and a half tablespoons maybe. Um, you want it to feel grainy still and be pretty thick. Um, but coconut oil, every time you touch it, it, it the heat, you know, it, it becomes softer. Um, but it should be very grainy to the touch. Okay, got it. Got it. That's a great tip. And I love sugar scrubs. And if I had a tin, well, I do have them. They last me like two weeks. Oh and then I, I use, I use it all the time, but I live in a really dry climate. So I'm constantly moisturizing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so China. yeah, for sure. My tip of the week is more kind of academic oriented because we had the um, Southern California youth consortium yesterday. We were in a mm-hmm. zoom meeting with them for a while and they talked about zoom fatigue And I really learned some things I didn't know about. And I was wondering, why am I so tired? Why is my brain just dead at the end of the day? Because we've always worked pretty hard. And it's always difficult. Like it's mind strain almost, brain strain. Mm -hmm. But I am more um, tired after Zoom meetings than I ever have been with work. I mean, at least in years. And one of the things that they recommended was that you not have multiple windows open while you're Zooming. I used to think it was kind of rude to just um, stop the video and put your name or picture up because I thought, oh, it's better to be engaged constantly. But they mentioned that if you're in a particularly long Zoom meeting, you may want to just um, video out. That way you can just focus on taking notes, maybe not have your eyes going to multiple places on the screen for too long because it does fatigue you mentally. And Mm -hmm. I've really been practicing with that today and I do feel better. I'm not as grouchy when I get done with work. I still have some energy for my personal and family time. So, you know, maybe we'll do like a um, zoom fatigue podcast and kind of go over all of the tips that they did, or maybe things that we're learning and working on in the future. But for me, that's my tip, like video out, just take some notes, take your gaze off of the screen and you'll be a lot more energetic when you're done with your day. That's my Mm -hmm. tip. And that was something I never thought about. So, yeah, me yeah. neither. Yeah, treat it like a conference call instead. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Especially the overstimulation. Yeah. Right. Especially when there's so many people in that meeting, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my God. My eyes are flying all over <laughs> my screen and I'm like arrowing back and forth because I want to see and I'm nosy, you know, and yeah. I just like, it's too much. Like I'm, I'm just like a little kid in a candy shop. I'm like, woohoo. Like they're all here. Let's look at people. And it's just too much. It's <laughs> too much. Cute. Yeah, yeah, I need to just calm down. Mm. So anyway, 
Well, everybody, this concludes our first podcast. I hope that our academic confidence tips and conversation were motivating for you, informative for you. We're very happy to be here. Um, Thank you to Jordan, our producer, who's going to do our editing. Thank you to our whole Guardian Scholars team who's helped us develop this topic and been super supportive. Thank you to co-hosts Amelia and Daisy for being here with me. I'm very grateful to you. And um, (laughs) hey, congratulations to us. We did our first one. Right? Yeah, it was so much fun. I'm so happy. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Thanks in the making. Yes, for real. (laughs) And thank you to our listeners, uh, all the millions out there. Just kidding. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in and listening to us. I know, that's gold. That's gold right there. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we will be talking to you soon. Be well. Bye. 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 Hey everyone, we wanted to make sure that you can follow us on the internet. If you'd like to access Guardian Scholars website, we are at csub.edu forward slash GSP forward slash. If you'd like to get a hold of J.R. Perez, who was our guest speaker today, you can email him at jrperez21 at csub.edu. And you can follow us on Instagram at csubguardians. We hope to see you there. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Bye.